is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Our program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. Losing a family member is one of life's most difficult experiences. Whether you're facing the death of a spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling, a close friend, or even a pet, the weeks and months that follow the loss can be overwhelming. Since loss is very much part of life, we've asked Dr. Norman Wright to be our guest today on Love Savers Radio. Dr. Wright wrote the book, Grieving the Loss of a Loved One, and we'll talk to Sandy today about how the process of grieving can help you heal, bring you strength for a hopeful future, and even experience God in a new way. Dr. Norman Wright has written many, many books, including Bringing Out the Best in your marriage, and the marriage checkup book, he has also experienced personal loss with the death of both his wife and his son. Dr. Wright says that you're not alone through the valley. God's Spirit, the Comforter, walks with you every step of the way and will guide you towards true peace and a renewed hope. Let's listen. Hi, Norm. Yes, how are you? All right. My real name, you're almost like a namesake. My nickname Uh-oh. is Sandy, but my real name is Norma. And oh, okay. so is my mother's. <laughs> anyway, let me ask you this. Why did you write that wonderful book, Grieving the Loss of a Loved One? And what do you hope it will accomplish for the reader? Well, what I wanted was one resource that would really speak to the most frequent losses that people experience within a family. And it was like one book could contain it and you could share it around with others. And we wanted to address some of the issues that are not addressed, such as the um, loss of a sibling, for example. Right. Uh, The loss of a friend, which is a major one, and the loss of pets. Yes. Now, the one thing I did not address in there uh, was the loss of grandparents, but that is very similar to the loss of, of parents in many ways. Yes. But um, it's it's a very comprehensive book, and it's what I call one of my season seasons uh, season books. Um, 
you know, I started writing almost 50 years ago, and when you write at that time, you don't have much to draw on except the research or the information of other people. Uh huh. I think but it's this, um, 65 books or more that you've written, right? Well, <laughs> I didn't mention it because I don't keep count. That's what people yeah. tell me. It's about 85 now. 85 now. Okay. And um, this book is sort of a culmination of what I have learned over the last 20 years of doing grief and trauma work. Uh-huh. And I'm constantly in a learning state. I'm constantly reading new books and taking classes. I just spent an hour online today um, on a course that I'm doing for about eight hours. And um, we need to have the resources out there because, unfortunately, we live in a culture that does not teach people about loss or grief. And one of the tragedies that I see is that at a time when a person is at their lowest point, most painful point of their life, and they've lost a loved one, not only do they have to deal with that, but they also have to deal with um, with the whole issue of learning about grief, and that makes it very, very hard. Right. Can you tell us what is grief? Grief, I think, is a response to... Um, a loss in our life, and when we grieve over something, we are, um, I guess in a sense, lamenting it. Um, We are reacting to that loss. So grief takes many faces. It's a very um, normal part of life. Um, The scriptures itself talks a lot about grief and trauma, and um, the Psalms themselves are um, laments, where people are lamenting and uh, crying out over what they have lost. But at the same time with the lament, you're also questioning, why? Why did this occur? Why is this going on at this time? What I learned is that there is something called anticipatory grief, which I had never heard of before till I learned that from your book. Could you tell us a little about that? Anticipatory grief is uh, the grief process, but it's occurring prior to the actual loss of whatever you're losing. It's not waiting until afterwards. Um, when you have somebody who is uh, terminally ill, for example, um, my wife had brain cancer for four years. There was anticipatory grief at that time of all the daily losses, all the common losses that occurred, but also eventually fact that she would be dying. And so when you know that that loss is coming, you start the grieving process ahead of time. And sometimes if you lose a family member, uh, you've done so much grieving ahead of time, in a way it can shorten the grieving process following that. Amazing. What is the difference between grief and mourning? They're both processes, right? Well, grief is the, you know, the facing, the loss, and feeling that pain, and the mourning is more the expression of it, where Uh we either talk about it or we cry, Um, we get it out in some way, but that mourning is the expression of it, and uh, actually, one of the healthiest forms of uh, grieving and mourning would be in the Arab countries, where they uh, encourage people to wail and to get it out, and I can remember when I was... Um, uh, writing after my wife died each day. Um, I was journaling, 
And sometimes I would sit on the floor and just wail, and my two golden retrievers would come in just to see what was wrong at that time. Uh-huh. But it's getting it out. Getting and it out. You have to get it out. I once did summer stock at Peterborough Playhouse in New Hampshire, and I was in Playboy of the Western World, and I learned for the first time the Irish had a way what was called keening. And that's when the widows would do the exact same thing. They would just wail. Yes. Yes. That is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. How and does a loss affect family relationship when a loved one dies? I found that so interesting also because you mentioned we're all individuals, but then people take on different responsibilities, and sometimes you feel that you have to isolate yourself, but sometimes it's done for too long a period of time. How can you embellish on that, explain that well, to us? Well, you know, everybody grieves differently, and say if you have a family unit, you'll find people there that want to talk about it, and some that say, I don't want to talk about it. Some of them would like to uh, save the family uh, heirlooms from this individual, their clothing, their jewelry. Another person said, we need to get rid of it as soon as possible. Somebody wants the pictures up. Somebody wants the pictures down. And you have to deal with this. I'm in the midst of it right now because in July, um, my wife, Tess, lost her mother. And this is the first major loss. And she's the oldest of five siblings. And at Christmas, we had 15 people overnight for a gathering, and um, as one person said, well, it was a matter of um, eating, arguing, and praying, <laughs> because people <laughs> were responding differently, right. and I'm in the midst of it, you know, sharing the grief, but at the same time, I had to sometimes say, okay, this is your grief counselor talking, now, this is what I think might help at this point, let's stop and pray about this, or et cetera, right. and uh, people will take on different roles at this time. And one thing to keep in mind is that often the family dysfunctions come to the surface at a uh, time of death and mourning. Wow. Very so you have that to deal with, too. There's oh, so many yes. different kinds of loss, right? Like you even mentioned loss of a pet. I remember having that first loss. I had this little Yorkie, and um, when he died, it really as I look back, affected me so tremendously. But you bring that up, that loss of a pet can send us into grief. But there are so many kinds, right? Very normal, because for some of us, our pets are very, very significant. Um, Aside from the death of my son and my wife, um, the loss of my first two golden retrievers were very devastating because uh, they were very significant. I've used a couple of my dogs as therapy dogs. And uh, we bond very closely. And my first golden retriever I obtained eight months after my son had died. So there was that carryover at that time. May I ask? Yes. I I don't want to be overly personal, but may I ask your feelings about the death of your son? And, of course, your wife after 49 years. Can you share anything personally? I remember reading that beautiful note that you wrote to her, and I thought that was a wonderful thing to do. Could you share well, about son, the loss of your son and your wife? Sure. My son, Matthew, was born profoundly mentally disabled. Mm. He was classified as mentally retarded, and that's the term they used many years ago. And uh-huh. uh, when he died at 22 um, from reflex esophagitis and staph, 
he was only 18 months old mentally. So he was an infant all of his life. Uh-huh. But he was the greatest blessing we ever received because he totally changed our lives in so many ways. And this is why maybe 60% of those that I counsel over the years have been people who have lost children because they come in and they look at me and they say, you get it, you understand, other people don't. And it's true because this is the worst loss that you can experience. It not only devastates the parents, it devastates the grandparents and they're usually left out of the equation and they don't get the support that they need. But it usually takes about six to ten years to stabilize after you've lost a child. A month ago, and it's been 24 years since Matthew died, but a month ago I was driving and the song came on the radio that uh, a friend of mine sang at the memorial service. And usually I handle it well, but for some reason that day it just put me under the table. It just knocked me off my off my feet. Yes, and you say. That happens, and that's normal. Right. That's all right. Yeah, you say. So you, it, it's different for everyone how long it takes to heal. And do you think sometimes it might even take a lifetime? Oh, with the loss of a child, you always carry with you what we call shadow grief. It's just under the surface, and it can be activated at any time. Um, in addressing your question on the various types of losses, we also need to throw into the equation that it's not just the death that creates a major loss, but it can be um, the loss of a job or... Yes. Let me get rid of this. All right. Not only can it be a death, but it can be the loss of a job, your identity, the loss of a home. Right. um, The loss loss of of a husband in a divorce or even a romantic breakup. A loss of hope, the loss of uh, control. Uh-huh. Um, in one of the books, I talk about these 11 categories of loss that, uh, that we experience. And some of them get recognized and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the best things that um, your listeners can do is, t- at this point, whether they've gone through loss or not, read as much as you can about loss and prepare yourself because loss and grief are part of life. You can't ignore them. They're going to be there. And you can't bypass or ignore grief. You can't avoid it. But you can understand it and realize that I'm not going crazy. Right, exactly. This is what happens all the time. People come and say, I'm going crazy. You're not going crazy. The feelings are kind of crazy because they're all over the map and maybe you've never experienced them before. But this is normal. You don't need to be fixed. Right, you say they're conflicting and confusing emotions, and they can erupt at any time. And what are some of the feelings? I remember years ago reading this um, book that was based on research. It was uh, Edith Kubler-Ross. I think they did a play on it, too, The Shadow Box, at Trinity Playhouse in Providence, which was really terrific. But she talked about, and you do also talk about, how first there is the denial, but there are different stages of denial. And then you talk about the conflicting and confusing emotions. And, of course, one of them, a big one, is anger. And um, then, finally, there is acceptance, right? There is. Now, the stages of loss that Dr. Ross uh, of loss that Dr. Ross came up with yeah, were based on Ross. those who were terminally ill. So we don't talk about those as much. We talk about different phases that we go through or different uh-huh. tasks that have to be dealt with. 
But um, we're all over the map with our emotions, from anger to fear. Fear is a big one uh, that people experience. They're afraid that um, people are going to forget them after a couple, three months, and usually they do, and they're afraid that their loved one is going to be forgotten, which is why it's so important to... um, If you have a friend that has lost a loved one and you didn't know who they were, ask the person's name, and whenever you talk about them, always address them by name because people appreciate that. That is very, very, very critical. Um, There's guilt. There's regrets. um, There's sadness. There's a depression. And sometimes your emotions are raging, and then other times you're numb. You just come to a standstill. Uh And when you're in grief, uh, you can't concentrate as well. Uh, you forget where you're going. You forget uh, in the middle of a sentence. Uh, your sensory perceptions are off. You don't things don't taste so good anymore. And um, the edge of excitement in your life has been taken away. You go through the motions, but it's just going through the motions. I remember after my wife died, uh, I still went out and taught, but it was different. I still went out and fished, which I'm a diehard fisherman. But I went through the motions, and it was maybe a year later that some of the the feeling, the excitement, the delight um, would come back. Oh. And those are some of the signposts. Oh, some of the... And we go through this in this book. uh, We go through this in detail so you understand, okay, this is grief. Right. And then we get into it. And one thing that is unique about the book is that we not only talk about the loss of a parent, but then we talk about the loss that a woman feels when her mother dies and what goes on in a man when his father dies because those are unique relationships. Yes. And so my hope is that uh, people will um, not only read this book, but they will pass it around to their pastors. There's a tremendous amount of material in there for preaching. Yes. And the church needs to address loss and grief because your congregation on Sunday morning is filled with people with losses. That's right. How does one cope with grief? I don't know that we cope with it, um, um, because coping is sort of toleration, and it's Uh much better just to embrace it and say, okay, Uh I am going to grieve, this is what grief is like, and this is good, this is healthy, and this is the way to move forward in my life. I can't... um, People always ask me, how long is this going to take? I wish I knew. Right. Well, we don't talk in terms of weeks or days or even months. We talk in terms of years. Yeah. And the closer you were, the longer it takes. Um, if it was a trauma and the way in which they died, that's going to make it uh, last further. Uh-huh. Um, I've been I've been involved in one of the high schools here in California where there was a shooting in a class uh-huh. a year ago. And I've worked every week with a group of students who saw the shooting. And um, for some of them, right now is when they've turned the corner. And it's taken that, that amount of time and a lot of work to process this. And so people need to be patient with themselves. They need to be patient with their family members because maybe one individual in the family went through a horrific traffic accident in which a friend was killed or they uh-huh. saw somebody die. Uh-huh. They come home to a family that didn't experience this. And the family looks at them and says, well, you're supposed to cook dinner, so go cook dinner. Right. But they're not going to be normal. They can't do it. And the family members have to jump in and learn as much as they can about grief and be patient. And 
When people talk about their grief, you don't try to fix them or give them answers. What you do is be there. And be listen. Present. Listen with them. Right. Sit with them in silence. Oh, that's good And to you know. just have to do this. When I sit with people, sometimes I know I'm going to hear the story of the suicide of their loved one yes. 10, 12 times. Uh-huh. I know the story by heart. Right. They have a need to tell their story. And when you go to somebody who's in grief and you see them at the store, say, <clears throat> and you say, how are you doing? And they say, fine. Come back with, yeah, but how are you really doing? And let them know you really want to hear them because oh. in our culture, we're so conditioned to, oh, how are you doing? Oh, fine. I broke my leg right. this week. Praise the Lord and go on from there. And um, we need to really let them know, I'm concerned. I want to walk with you. Oh, yeah, I want to walk with you. That is so wonderful. What is the initial buffer to grief, and what are its stages? A buffer. Well... A denial, right? Denial is a big part of it. Right. Or we shut down our emotions. We don't allow ourselves to feel what... uh, we're going to, we're stunned. Yeah, Especially shocked. if it was sort of a, if it was an accident or something that was really um, traumatic. Uh-huh. And um, uh, you can have some losses where you still function all right. Maybe you're at 80% of your capacity, but if it's a crisis, you have shut down. And if it's a trauma, you are devastated because trauma uh, disrupts the functioning of the brain. And we have so many people who've been traumatized in our country and they need, they need to really get the uh, the help that is there, um, and learn as much as they can about uh, trauma at this time. Like post-traumatic stress disorder when they come home from war and things. Yes, and there's yeah. more people here that have experienced that than those in um, in the war, and it's devastating. Um, I work both at uh, 9-11 in New York and at Katrina and other shootings. And um, sometimes I kind of go across people where their face is like a mask. Their eyes are vacant. They have that oh, thousand-mile stare. That catatonic look. Mm. That's a very good way of uh, describing of it. it. Yeah. Is, very good. Is writing a letter to the departed a good thing? Oh, Yes. To write that letter and then take it to maybe the internment, place of internment, and sit there and read it out loud and then leave it. Wow. And writing is very important in moving forward in grief or trauma. We have people um, handwrite their story again and again and again and drain it out because that drains the energy, but it also brings a healing to the brain. My first three trips back from 9-11 on the airplane, I spent maybe three hours writing up what I experienced, what I saw, what I felt, and um, drained it out. And I did it for two reasons. One, uh, it was my debriefing. And secondly, it um, I knew when I got home, everybody's going to say, oh, tell me what happened. I'd like to hear about it. And right. I didn't want to go into the detail all that much. So when they asked, I said, well, thanks for asking. Here. And I gave them five pages, single space, right. more than they probably wanted. But... They asked for it, and that's what I did, and this is what anybody can do, but it, it's not on a computer. It's <laughs> How can, yeah. writing. How can we help those who are grieving? We can be there. We can ask them, uh, what can we do to assist? Um, 
you don't say, call me if I can help, because they're not going to call. You take yeah. the initiative. Right. You put the name of the family that lost a loved one on your calendar um, every three months for two years to remind you, Ooh. call them. Yes. Hand write a little note. Do not text. Do not email. Uh-huh. Hand write a little note. Don't let them slip through the trap. Very good. Is there any positive side to grief, do you feel? Oh, goodness, yes, because in grief... Um, and when we go through losses, uh, it's a character de- development eventually. As it mm-hmm. talks about in Romans 5, um, uh, you begin to experience the comfort of God in a whole new way. Uh-huh. Uh, you enter into our Lord's sufferings, in a sense, with Him at this time. And also, based on Second Corinthians 1, because of what you went through, and it talks about you have been encouraged and consoled and comforted, and with that, you are going to be able to console and comfort and encourage others because what you went through, God is going to bring people into your life who have gone through the same thing, and because you've been there, they will listen to you. You have something to offer to them. Yes. How should we pray with those in grief? And, Dr. Norm, could you please... We have to leave you now because we're coming to a close, but... Would you please pray for us and all our listeners with a prayer that, because you know how to pray with those in grief, to leave us with your prayer to all those who have lost loved ones, whether through death or divorce or however, would you give us a prayer? I will. Thank you. And when you pray with someone, ask them if they would like you to pray with them or not. And I right. know you could do either. Sometimes people are not ready for prayer. Right. But then they might like prayer. Yes. Our Heavenly Father, you certainly understand the depth of loss of each person who is listening to this program today. Father, we just thank you for your abundant love. Thank you for the memories that you've left with each person because this is what we have to hold on to at this time. Father, I just pray that each person would discover the closeness of your presence. They would discover the ministry of the Holy Spirit to help them begin this difficult and painful journey. And I pray for each one that they would remember that they are not alone, that you are with them, and your arms of comfort will sustain them each day and each night. Thank you, Father, for who you are and for being with each person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Bless you. God bless you. And will you come back someday so we can discuss the marriage checkup and breaking up? um, If people need to contact me, give them my website. Yes, we will. We will. Okay. Goodbye and oh, God bless. Oh, let me mention this. Yes. Let me mention this. In five months, the newest book will come out when you've lost a child through death, through dis- disability, or through absence. 
Oh, that would be the next book in this series. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Norm. Okay, so anytime bye. Anytime you for... want me on, call me. Oh, thanks, because I want to discuss the marriage checkup and bringing out the best in your marriage. But because this is your specialty, I'm so glad we started with this. Bless Good, you, this doctor. Is, this is where Goodbye. I work. Goodbye. I hate leaving thank you. Goodbye you. for now. Okay, okay. bye. Bye-bye. To contact Dr. Wright, go to his website, www.hnormanwright.com. That's www.hnormanwright.com. Next week, our special guest is Carla Downing. She wrote a book called 10 Life-Saving Principles for Women in Difficult Marriages. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>